The Money Pit is brought to you by Grain, Krylon, Werner Ladder, and Stanley. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is The Money Pit, home improvement radio show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Do you ever wonder why we call it The Money Pit? Well, it's a term of endearment. Because we know that you hate your home and you love your home all at the same time, and that's why you call it the money pit. <laughs> and it sucks up endless amounts of cash because you're always doing something to it. It does, and time, and it's the subject of many conversations, not all good ones. But you know what? You still love it. We're going to help you love it a little bit more by making those projects easier to accomplish, quicker to accomplish, and yes, less expensive to accomplish if you help yourself first. By calling us. The number is 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. And speaking of saving you money, coming up this hour, we're going to have some tips on how you can cut those homeowners insurance costs down to size by picking the right improvements that can help you save on insurance it costs to maintain your home. And if you've got great curb appeal, make sure it's visible day or night. What's the point of having a beautiful looking front of your house if you can't see it? We've got tips on how low-voltage lighting can illuminate your facade. It's a simple do-it-yourself project, and we're going to walk you through it. And a really popular spring home improvement project is to replace your windows, especially if they've been really chilly all winter long and have been driving up those heating bills. But the problem is that shopping for new windows today, it can be really overwhelming because there's a lot to understand. There's many different ratings and certifications that can help, and we're going to help you decode those for window shopping once and for all in just a bit. And one lucky caller we talked to this hour has never got to deal with wobbly ladders or wobbly knees again. We're giving away the innovative and comfortable Warner 9-foot reach aluminum podium ladder and it's valued at $89. Learn more at wernerpodiumladder.com and call right now for your chance to win at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Sandy in Pennsylvania, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Uh, Yes, I was calling to ask about uh, building a garage. My husband and I just bought a home. It's a uh, two-story colonial, but there's no garage. And um, we're trying to decide detached, attached, with or without a breezeway. Um, We know we want it to be oversized, um, but we're trying to decide uh, which would be the most efficient and convenient choice go with. So it's as much an architectural question um, as it is a structural question because you're trying to figure out what's going to fit best with the property. So that amount, that involves looking at the house itself in terms of its design and also looking at the neighborhood to uh, determine, you know, what's going to fit in well, because it's okay to have the nicest house on the block, but it's not okay if it's that much nicer that the rest of the neighborhood pulls it down in value. Does that make sense? Yes. And, and and I think the rest of the homes are very, very similar, except they have garages. Okay. Well, then that's a good model for you to, to follow. Okay. Now, if you have the breezeway, then obviously you're going to have more functional space. So I'm not quite sure what we can do to help you with this question, because it's really a design uh, that you have to kind of agree on with your with your husband, uh, and then and then set apart building it. When when it does get built, it obviously has to be built 
uh, by a pro in accordance with all of the local regulations, which are going to probably require that you have a set of architectural plans. Okay. So you might just want to start with that because in architects, architects can help you look at the options very easily with the computer programming that they use today and, and, and give you a chance to look at it uh, from uh, several different angles, both outside and, and inside in terms of available storage space and in different configurations. Okay. Um, also, we need to replace the roof on the home. So I was thinking, you know, making it an attached or with a breezeway um, kind of makes it a little bit more efficient as we change, as we replace the roof on the home, we'd be putting the roof on the garage as well. Okay, well, it would make sense for you to do the entire roof and have that folded into the same project. And then you could, in fact, fold it into the same financing, too, if you're financing the project. So, yeah, I'm all for planning those projects to be done together because when the roofing team is on site, that will be the most cost-effective way to get it all done. Okay. And have it match. Okay. You know, we, we did our roof uh, in the last year, and we did everything but the garage, and the garage really didn't need it. But seeing that brand-new, beautiful roof on the house, I just decided that I would uh, ignore the fact that I had a few years of life left in my garage roof, and we did that as well, which is why um, we always say that the three most expensive words in home improvement are might as well. Right. Right. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Heading to Arkansas, where Fred is on the line with a mold question. What's going on at your money pit? Chuck got to uh, do some work in my house, and he went to open it up to start doing it. And uh, since the last time I'd been underneath the sink, it had grown a uh, large bunch of black mold underneath there. Uh, he needed to do some work in the utility room, and same black mold out there. I got a mold abatement that, uh, com- company come in and give me an estimate on it, and. Uh, I almost fell, fell backwards. <laughs> <laughs> what what do they what do they want to charge you and, and what do they say they're gonna do, Fred? They would come in, uh tear out all of the uh affected areas and uh charge it off. And I would be responsible for having it put back in. And how much were they gonna charge you for that privilege? Uh between two and four thousand. Wow. That's very nice, yeah. So Okay, so we have this mold in two areas, right? We have it inside the kitchen cabinet, is that correct, with the sink cabinet? Uh, yeah. All right, and how much mold would you say is there, if I was to ask you for a sort of in square footage, is it like two square feet, three square feet, more than that? What do you think? Mm, probably five or six square feet. So it's quite a bit? Uh, no, it, it, it's not that much. It's just there's a lot of area under there. Is it like growing on the walls of the cabinet? Yeah. Okay, and then you said there was a utility room. How much mold is in that area? Uh, it's completely covered out there. My water heater blew out the other day, and um, I couldn't get at it right away. And between the time I got it uh, replaced, there was uh, mold growing there, too. Now, is that outside the house or inside the house? Uh, it's off the carport outside. It's off the carport outside. So that's less of a concern because it's more exposed to the exterior. It's like an outside closet, correct? So um, the New York Department of, of Health, New York State Department of Health has some really good guidelines on sort of do-it-yourself mold control, and they generally recommend that if it's less than 10 square feet, you can do it yourself. Um, if this cabinet, uh, the sink cabinet is not structurally damaged, uh, you could treat the affected mold uh, with simply a bleach and water solution. I would use a fairly heavy bleach and water solution, maybe at least 25% bleach, if not 50% bleach. You're going to have to have proper uh, eye protection, proper respiratory protection while you spray it, and gloves and all that kind of stuff. And you basically got to spray it on there thoroughly and just let it sit so it kills the mold spores. 
and then you can clean it then you can clean it up again with all of that proper respiratory protection and good ventilation too in case any of those mold spores get uh, get stuck to get distributed to the air. Um, what I like to do is open all the windows in the house, put some fans on so we depressurize the rooms, uh, and then go ahead and clean it. But if it's a small amount like that, um, there are guidelines online that you can follow to do it yourself. But that's essentially it. You spray the mold to kill it, and then you clean it from there. And the reason it happened is because you have a, a cold, damp, enclosed space like that. And if you try to make sure that you check it once in a while so it doesn't leak, it doesn't become you know stagnant like that, it probably won't come back. I guess I'm asking Well, now, yeah. So, okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because if you have respiratory issues, then it's more important that you're very, very careful not to distribute that to the house. So I would have somebody experienced do it, but I don't necessarily feel like this contractor's approach of tear it all out uh, is necessarily the right way because in my my view, that's going to even cause more disruption than if you were just to clean it. Uh, that's what I figured, but and these guys are in business to make a lot of money off of it. Yeah, yeah, I know. And they, and, they, and they panic pedal, too. You know, they say mold. They try to get you all freaked out about it. Uh, and, yeah, it's an issue, but, it, you know, it's it's fixable. All right? Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit, and thank you so much for your service, sir. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now you can call in your home repair, your home improvement question, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or, quite frankly, in the middle of the night when all of a sudden you're like, hmm, how does this work? Or what if I do that? Or if you wake up because the roof is leaking and it's dripping on your head. Right. <laughs> or more importantly, that. So if that's the case, write down this number and never forget it. 888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, if you think your homeowner's insurance can only go up, think again. We're going to have tips on how you can cut down on what you pay each month when the Money Pit continues after this. You live in a Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. 
And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. When you're ready to search for a home, start at Realtor.com. Realtor.com is the most accurate home search site. And be sure to work with a Realtor to help you through the process. Realtor.com and Realtors. Together, we make home happen. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And hey, anybody who's scared of heights definitely wants to win this hour's prize. We've got the Werner 9-foot reach aluminum podium ladder. Yeah, it's got a large standing platform and it feels like you're standing on the ground, which is so comfortable if you're kind of afraid of heights and you need to work on something that's not within arm's reach. And it's going to actually offer you the same reach height as a 5-foot step ladder. It's a prize worth $89. You can learn more at wernerpodium.com or call us right now for the answer to your home improvement question and your chance to win. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Heading out west to Hawaii where Gary has an electrical question. Aloha, Gary. How can we help you? Aloha. Thank you guys uh, very much. Um, I have a, uh, a situation in my bathroom where I actually want to take an existing wall light and I want to remove it and then uh, create a situation where I have a light on either side of the mirror. So I've got this one uh, electrical feed coming out of the wall, and what I want to do is I want to kind of splice it so that I could take one wire off to the left and one wire off to the right of the uh, mirror, and I'm trying to find out if there's a easy way to do that or if basically there's a kit that might help me do that because I'm not a electrical <laughs> uh, I'm not an electrical genius here. So because you're an electrical genius I don't want you to try this yourself, okay? okay? But I will tell you that it's a fairly easy project that any electrician could do this for you since you have um uh power going to the one fixture it's very easy to split that off into two separate fixtures and use the same switch that the other fixture was on. So it's a really simple project, but I don't want you doing it yourself because if you want to tackle a plumbing project, you can get wet. If you want to tackle an electrical project, you could get dead. So we don't want you to try that yourself, all right? You got to use common sense. Okay, okay. Very good. I, I appreciate the advice, yeah. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
Well, if you're looking to take the edge off those monthly bills and who is it, you might be able to squeeze in some extra savings from a surprising place. That is your monthly homeowner's insurance bill. Yeah, now it's going to require some upfront spending. But if you invest in the right place, then you're looking at savings for years to come. Now, insurance companies end up paying a lot for water damage, so they'll reward you with lower rates for making sure it doesn't happen in the first place. So a simple thing to do is just to replace any rubber hoses on your clothes washing machine with a no-burst braided stainless steel hose. This way you can save up to 10% on your insurance bill for doing just that one improvement. Now, if you live in an area that's prone to higher winds, a tougher garage door can slash your monthly premiums. Install a hurricane-resistant door or buy a retrofit solution that's going to strengthen your existing one. And finally, here's something to get a jump on. Do you have any backyard trampolines that you've bought for your kids or maybe one was there when you bought the house owning one can sometimes mean paying what they call a nuisance charge of up to about a hundred dollars per policy that kind of backyard toy is dangerous so don't use it so with a few simple changes in your home improvement projects you can actually save lots of money on your homeowner's insurance costs we've got a full list online at moneypit.com Okay, let's welcome Donna from North Carolina with some squeaking floors. What's going on? We have a 13-year-old home in Raleigh, North Carolina, which was purchased as new construction. We have squeaky floors, wood floors, primarily in the kitchen in front of the sink. Originally, we uh, there were shims placed between the joists to even the floor after we moved in. But after a first frost, there were raised areas of flooring, particularly in the kitchen, and some of the shims, uh, shims were removed to even the floors once again. Currently, we're selling our house, and my concern is that when the, purchase, uh, the purchaser employs a home inspector, that the squeaky floors uh, would be so obvious that we would need to resolve the problem. And I wondered what you would suggest we do. I was a home inspector for 20 years. And I've never, ever in those 20 years reported squeaky floors as a structural problem. Okay. So on that point, I don't think you have a lot to worry about unless you have somebody that really doesn't know what they're talking about. Sometimes if you get an inspector that is really underskilled, they will take the minute normal occurrences of a home and turn it into a major issue. Um, But that's it. It is kind of annoying. And trying to figure out why it squeaks... Uh, requires you understanding which part of that floor assembly is moving because it's it's evidence of movement. So if there's movement between the subfloor and the floor joists underneath, that could be one source. Or if there's movement between the finished hardwood floor and the subfloor and the floor joists, that's another type of movement. You can you can deal with all of this if you were to be able to identify where from the top side, from the kitchen side, the floor joists are underneath that area that's loose. And then you can drive what's called a trim screw, which is about as wide as a finish nail um, with proper prep, which means you have to pre-drill the floor. But you can drive a couple of those into the hardwood floor to kind of tie it all together. And once you do that, you'll find that you'll quiet it down quite a bit. And the size hole that you'll have to fill is no more than the the width of a finish nail. Okay. So the the key is finding the the 
choice, I would guess. Floor choice. And, you, and there's a way to do that, too. And you can do that by measuring it out, or you could simply get a, a stud finder, a stud sensor. They they have them today where they're, they're good enough where they can actually see through two, three inches of building material and find the floor joists below with, with great precision. Stanley makes a number of very good quality and inexpensive uh, stud sensors that, that can do that. But don't panic. A, street, a squeaky floor is pretty much typical, uh, and it's not indicative of a structural issue. Right, Leslie? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just more annoying. And I think one of the benefits of you saying, you know, you seem to have so much knowledge of the shims and what's going on there. It makes me feel like you have access to the things. So it should be fairly easy for you to get to the bottom of. All right. Well, thank you so much for that information. It's encouraging. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hi, Fred. Welcome to the Money Pit. How can we help you today? I have a standard toilet. The uh, house was built in 29, so it's, what, 80 years old? Uh, it's the type where the tank hangs on the wall, and then you have an L, and then you have, I guess, what do you call that, the bowl? And it started to leak, and so, you know, the, the old metal was pretty corroded and everything, so we took everything out. We took the tank off the wall. We clean, I say we, the, the plumber, who I've been using for many years, cleaned everything up. Uh, went to the hardware store that handles these kind of fittings, and, and we just cannot get this thing to work. It leaks. Where does it leak? Does it leak at the, where, at the base of the tank where the pipe connects? In both, yeah. Well, one time we did it, it leaked at the bottom of the tank. The other time it leaked when it went into the bowl. What kind of a washer are you using, or what kind of a gasket or seal are you using in those two places? Well, I don't know the technical names of it. You know, they, the guy at the uh, – they, they look like the same stuff we took off. You know, I'm I'm a musician. I don't I'm not helping these things. Well, it, this shouldn't be that hard to accomplish, and it sounds like whatever they're using in that gasket space right there is not working. And look, if all else fails, you can simply use silicone here. You could apply the silicone in as you put this together. You could you seal all of those joints with silicone. Let it dry. Try not to touch it until it dries, and then you can take a razor blade and cut off the excess nice and neat, and essentially make your own gasket. Yeah, the plumber mentioned something. He said the only thing is. If that thing fails and I'm not home, I'm going to have a house full of water. That's true, but the thing is, it, if it once it works, it usually works, you know, continuously. It's not; it doesn't usually fail. If you get it right, it's not going to fail. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, in other words, unless I can see some chips or damage on the porcelain or something like that, which I don't see, it, it should work. But I would take it apart and I would seal with silicone each connection as it goes together, so that you end up with a good compression of silicone around that. That's the solution. Well, have your past painting projects been ruined by rust? Well, there's a new paint out there that's going to keep your rust under wraps so paint looks good for years to come. We're going to tell you all about it after this. Money Pit is brought to you by grain-engineered shaken shingle siding from the Tapco Group. Contractors can now offer homeowners the charm of natural cedar with none of the maintenance. Visit grain.com or ask your pro today. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And next week we are off for a road trip to the 2015 National Hardware Show in Las Vegas. It's an industry-only event where we get the inside scoop on the hottest new products directly from the Money Pit's top products pavilion on the hardware show floor. You can't be there, but we will be, and we'll bring that story to you. Yeah, and we're super lucky because we've actually gotten a few sneak 
peeks already. And one of the coolest products that I've seen so far is Krylon's CoverMax spray paint. Not only dries in 10 minutes or less, which is super awesome for an inpatient painter like myself, that's really faster than any other general purpose aerosol out there. And it's the only general purpose paint with built-in rust protection. Krylon CoverMax paint where color meets performance. Check it out in our top products gallery at moneypit.com. All right, let's say hi to Katie in Massachusetts, who has a whole house dehumidifier question. What's going on? I purchased a wave ventilation system. Um, it was advertised on one of the radio stations that I listen to. Companies based in Canada, I checked them out, Better Business Bureau, they're all fine. But um, my electrician had a question for me that, you know, he, he's, he's, real not sh- he's really not sure that um, I should keep it because um, you hook it up in the basement, um, away from the heating system, the heating system. Thank you. And then, um, you open up a, a, a vent, you know, to the top of the house, which we have, we, we did that, um, up the, um, the basement stairs into the, the mud room. So there's a vent there that will feed this, the system, but there's no return and my electrician said, gosh, if you don't have a vent from the outside feeding in the air to circulate, he, he just doesn't see how the, the whole system will really work efficiently if there's not something feeding this flow. I think you've got a great electrician there and a guy who really understands building science, because I got to tell you, I hear the advertisements for these systems all the time, and they leave me scratching my head. Because... You know, what they claim to do is to dehumidify your basement. And the way they do that is they simply take the basement air and they pump it upstairs. Yeah, but then what do you do with all that moist air in the rest of the house? Well, upstairs, you know, you don't notice it as much because it doesn't collect and sit and the temperatures are warmer so it gets absorbed into the air. And, of course, that means that the basement is going to be less humid because that moisture is being pumped upstairs. But if you pump too much airflow upstairs, you're going to depressurize the basement. And the reason it has to be that far away from the furnace is because if you depressurize the basement, guess what's going to happen to all of the fumes that are generated by your heating system? It's going to, the draft's going to reverse, and you'll start filling your house with that combustion gas, like including carbon monoxide. Now, in a typical ventilation system, like let's say you have a really high-efficiency house, uh, like my cousin's building a house right now that's an Energy Star-rated house. He's using foam insulation. You know, it's going to be a really tight house. And I was explaining to him the other day that because it's so tight, you might need to bring in fresh air to this house. And typically, the average house, we don't worry about bringing in fresh air because our homes are naturally drafty. But when you build a tight house, you have to bring in fresh air to exhaust stale air. And the way they do that is basically by pulling in cold air from the outside and exhausting it with stale air from the inside, but they trap the heat so you're not exactly just filling your house up with cold air. You're able to sort of transfer it. There's a mechanical way to do that. Uh, These ventilation systems that you're describing are only one half of that. They're basically just sucking the moisture out of the basement and pumping it upstairs. So... To me, it just seems like somewhat of a pointless exercise that potentially could go horribly wrong if the basement was depressurized. Have you noticed that the basement is less humid as a result of running this thing? We actually haven't even put it in yet because we're a month away from moving in, but I purchased it. But um, this wave ventilation system, the, the, the system itself is it's ducked to the outside. So what it does is it, it sucks air in from the bottom from, you know, obviously the basement but it, it it draws from the top half of the house and it expels it so but i don't know how it's replaced 
It just yeah. doesn't make any sense. And, and that's what our electrician said. So the, the air that is circulated through the system is not pumped back upstairs. It's okay. actually expelled through the house. But what replaces it? Well, and also the other issue here is if you're going to take all the moisture, all the air from inside the house and pump it outside, then you're going to depressurize. And again, you may you may have to drive you may drive up the heating costs as a result or the cooling costs as a result. Listen, I I honestly don't think they're necessary. Okay. I wouldn't ever put one in my house. And uh, if you've not, if you can cancel the contract, I'd recommend you do that. Really? Okay. So what do we do to keep the basement dry? All right. So let's talk about that. So if, uh, uh, there's a bunch of things that you can do. Um, Keeping your basement uh, as dry as possible starts at the foundation perimeter outside your house. Uh, you want to make sure that the soil slopes away from the wall. You want it to have it drop about six inches over four feet, well tamped down, and, and then covered with uh, you know stone or mulch or grass. But you always want to have that sort of slight slope away from the foundation perimeter. In addition to that, you also want to make sure that the gutters are clean and free-flowing and that the downspouts are extended four to six feet away from the house. That can help move the water away from that critical area of the foundation perimeter and stop it from uh, building up in the soil right against the foundation walls where it will get into the house. Those two things alone will will make a huge difference in how much moisture gets down there. Now, is the basement finishable? Yes, and it's beautiful. It's all rock. It's you know, the, the original owner who was previous to us built this home, and it's a fortress. Okay. So if you were to ultimately finish the basement and heat and heat it, um, that is also going to dry it out, too, because warm air is going to absorb any uh, moist air, any moisture that's in the air. Um, the other thing that you can do is you could paint the interior walls with a damp-proofing paint that stops just the normal soil, soil moisture from evaporating uh, into the house itself. And if it does ever get damp, I would put I would put a, a dehumidifier down there before I put one of these big ventilation systems. I just make sure that I drain it outside, and you can do that through something called a condensate pump. Sure. Okay. Thank you very much. I hope that makes sense. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. So picking out new windows can actually feel more like a maze or perhaps a really hard riddle than a fun shopping trip. But understanding all of those window ratings and certifications can help a lot. We're going to help you sort it all out when the Money Pit continues. Live in a money pit. Money pit. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. One lucky caller that we talked to this hour is going to win a Werner 9-foot reach aluminum podium ladder got added comfort and safety to help keep your mind on the job, not all of that space and height and air below you. Yep, it's a prize worth $89, and it's one of our top products pick from this year's National Hardware Show. So give us a call right now for the answer to your home improvement question at 888-666-3974. Mary in Illinois is on the line with a painting question. How can we help you today? I want to uh, paint a fireplace. It's brick and just want to know if there's a, if you can do that first of all and if there's a certain kind of paint you need to use has it been painted before or is it natural brick no it's a natural brick original brick well you certainly can paint it but i would think very carefully before you do this cuz once you paint you have to repaint eventually and fireplaces tend to get very dirty and very smoky and they're hard to keep clean if it's just the color that you don't like there may be some ways to sort of decorate around that color 
but I would, would really hesitate to tell you to paint it. We get a lot of calls from folks that are not happy with painted fireplaces. They want to know how to do the exact opposite, which is get the paint off. And once you paint, it's just really hard to do that. Okay. I was kind of worried about whether it would peel or or when you say it just gets, you just have to keep repainting because of... Well, paint over time is going to crack and dry out, and it will get so dirty just from, you know, the exhaust and the use of the fireplace that you'll get sort of that that haze around the upper portion of it, regardless of what type of screen you have. Um, Now, the other thing to keep in mind is that since this will be its first time being painted, the brick is so porous that you're going to put a lot of time into priming because it's just going to absorb all of that primer. And you want to get a good quality primer. You want to make sure that you brush in the grout lines, roll on the surfaces of the brick, brush again. So it's it's a lot of steps. It can be done. But as Tom said, if you want to take that paint off, it's now a chemical stripper. And because that brick is so porous, it's going to have sucked in all of that color. And so it'll never get back to that original brick look again. It'll have that sort of hue of whatever color it was. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, great. Well, thank you for your help. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, anyone who's shopped for windows in the last few years knows those ratings and certifications that are designed to make shopping easier sometimes can overwhelm you more than they can help. And that's why it's important to know what they mean. So here's a few to understand. A rating you do want to see is the gold label certification from the AAMA. That's the American Architectural Manufacturers Association. It basically means that a window has been tested by a third-party pro and meets the standards for resistance, durability, and forced entry resistance. Now, labels from the NFRC, and that stands for the National Fenestration Rating Council, works more like a gallons per mile sticker that you see on a new car. They're going to rate glass, framing, and other permanent parts. So you can head to the NFRC's website to compare ratings among different manufacturers and assess windows accordingly. And finally, here's what I think is the most important label, the Energy Star label. That basically means that a window meets the standards that are established by the U.S. Department of Energy. And as an added bonus, they could make you eligible for tax rebates once they're installed. Matt in California is on the line and needs some help with a fireplace. What can we do for you? Our hearth is ugly, and we want to replace it. We want to take it out and replace it. as a uh, fireplace insert, but we want to replace it with a wood stove. And our question is, does that, by taking the hearth out, will that affect the, uh, the flume? the integrity of it when we put in a wood stove? Well, I mean, it depends structurally how it's constructed. You know, generally speaking, with a fireplace, the chimney rests on the fireplace. So structurally speaking, you need to make sure that that is still the case. If you're going to leave the fireplace in place and essentially just convert it to a wood stove, then what you'll probably do is break into the chimney and the flue above the fireplace kind of with a 90-degree bend and straight in, and you'd seal the bottom of the chimney or certainly put a, a clean-out door there or maybe just leave the uh, leave the damper in place. It won't affect the structural integrity as long as you, you leave it structurally intact. You can't start just taking apart the fireplace and expect the chimney not to fall, though. Does that make sense, Matt? Yeah, all right. Okay, that's... I'm glad I asked. I want to take that out and have it all pulled apart on me. <laughs> I mean, I would... If it's just the hearth down the bottom that sticks out, you'd probably take that out. But you're really going to have to have somebody with structural common sense take a look at that and answer this question for you because I can't see it from here, obviously. Right, exactly. That's what I thought. Okay, no, that helps. I appreciate that. But, I mean, are you open to just changing the hearth and changing the look of the fireplace itself? Because that's not terribly difficult. Yeah, it's the the fireplace itself is not very economical, even with the uh, insert that's in there. 
it's it's mm-hmm. not economical economic at all. Then we want to go with a wood stove. Um, so it if we put a wood stove there, that would look not very pleasing with the you know with its with the hearth the hearth sticking out like it is, and then having a wood stove. So we thought we could replace that, you know, all the way up to the wall, and then kind of design it so it would look, you know, attractive with a wood stove within there. Well, you might be able to remove that hearth, but you're going to have to have a, a mason or a contractor look at it. If the hearth is the hearth is there to essentially help make use of the fireplace safer. So if the hearth is not lending any structural contribution to the overall fireplace, you may be able to break that part out and leave the rest in place. Okay, yeah, I'll have someone look at it because I think that's what we want to do. But I, uh, you're right, I have some get first. Thank you a lot. Appreciate it. So now that outdoor lighting's in full swing, as we all love to spend more time outdoors, but the right lighting is going to do more for you than just brighten a space. How do you add low-voltage lights for dramatic results? We'll tell you when the Money Pit continues. You live in a Money Pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by QuickCrete. It's what America's made of. For project help from start to finish, download the new QuickCrete mobile app. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Check us out on Facebook for some home improvement answers, home improvement advice, and other fun stuff that we just can't fit into the show. You can find it all at facebook.com slash themoneypit. Like us and get your Money Pit fix when you want, where you want, and go ahead and post your question just like Carol from Massachusetts did. And Carol writes, at least once a week, a light bulb burns out in my home. About 75% of the outlets have ground holes in them. So I would think that the electrical has been updated at some point. But this probably means nothing. But the electrical box is pristine and not a jumbled mess. So what's causing this? You know, one thing that I would think could be causing this is a problem with the voltage in your area. So I would reach out to the electric company and request that they double check the voltage at your electric meter to make sure um, that the trip. There are no transformer issues in the area because, see, here's how it works. If the transformer is going bad, it can actually cause the voltage to be higher than what the fixture rating is, and that could account for the rapid burnout. Now, if that comes back negative, I would hire an electrician to thoroughly examine the electrical box, the main electrical panel, because it might look perfect from the outside, but you can dig deep and find out that it's defective. I've had that happen many times uh, in the years I spent as a home inspector, and you don't really see it until you start taking the breakers apart and looking behind them and that sort of thing. So it's a bit of a of an investigative process you have to go through. But I would start with the utility company because that's just a call to make sure the transformer's good. And if not, and then you can touch base uh, with your electrician and take the next step. But it is important to get to the bottom of it because it's certainly not a normal occurrence, Carol. Yeah, Carol. I mean, I can totally relate with you. You don't want to have something that's super dangerous. You don't really care about the cost of the bulbs. It is a nuisance, but you want to make sure that whatever's going on in your house, you get to the bottom of and fix it. You want your family to be safe. Well, if you want your backyard or your landscaping to really pop this summer, the key is the subtle, dramatic look of low-voltage lighting. You can take a page from Leslie, and your yard will look like it came from the pages of a magazine in this week's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Yeah, low-voltage lighting, it really does make a gorgeous addition to your driveway, your walkway, even flower beds. And thanks to today's versatile lighting kits, you can create designer-quality results with relatively little do-it-yourself skill and prep. 
You got to start by gauging, though, how much lighting you actually need and how long you want your investment to last. The shorter your stay in your present home, the simpler your lighting plan should be. Next, you want to look up your state's guidelines. Unlike line voltage, which has national codes and installation standards, low voltage lighting is guided by state codes. Don't let this extra step, though, deter you. Trust me, the final results are going to be worth it. Now, before you go shopping for a lighting kit, you want to use a voltage meter to pre-test the outlet that you're going to be using for the transformer. Then invest in a top-quality UL, and that's the Underwriters Laboratory approved transformer that's going to give you enough power to keep your system shining. And when it comes time to install those light fixtures, two steps will simplify the process. First, you want to wet the installation zone the night before because wet soil is so much easier to work with than dry. And second, take the time to lay out the fixtures and the connecting wire in the configuration that you desire to create an above-ground map before you start digging. Then once you've got everything positioned correctly, go ahead and embed all of those elements into the ground and look forward to a really beautiful and subtle light show every evening. It's really worth it, guys. It's an excellent project to take on. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Coming up next time on the Money Pit, we're going to talk about outdoor kitchens. They're really hot this year and they're not as expensive as you might think. We'll teach you how you can turn your patio or porch into the sizzling kitchen space of your dreams on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 